You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Job chapter 38, verse 1. God responds to Job. We have reached the climax of the book of Job. He has suffered greatly, and to his suffering and grief, his friends, who should have comforted him, have accused him of being a hypocrite and hiding a secret life of wickedness. Job protested, testified to his good works, and cried out for God to give him a hearing. He wanted to ask God why he was suffering. He felt he had done nothing to draw such judgments from God. Job had managed to silence his friends, but not convince them. They had silenced Job, but had not been able to convince him to admit his guilt before God. Zophar, one of Job's so-called comforters, in Job 11, 5-7, had said, Oh, how I wish that God would speak, that he would open his lips against you and disclose to you the secrets of wisdom. For true wisdom has two sides. Know this, God has even forgotten some of your sin. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? So now, God responds to Job. He didn't need to say anything. He owed Job no explanation. In fact, he never does give him a reason for his suffering. He doesn't say, Job, I know you've had a hard time. Let me tell you why. You see, there was this cosmic argument about you. And I intended to prove that your faith was genuine. So I allowed Satan to do his worst. Sorry about all this. He says nothing about Job's circumstances at all. Job asked why, but that was the wrong question. God was going to answer who he was dealing with. And once Job understands who he is and who God is, he could be at peace, even if his suffering continued. We don't need information, we need relationship. Job needs to understand God's wisdom compared with his own finite understanding. For all Job knew, he would continue in his misery indefinitely. In fact, while God's speaking, Job is still suffering, and afterwards, he isn't suddenly healed. Job had questions, and God responds with 70 questions of his own. Remember, when God asks a question, it's never to get information. We see this in Genesis chapter 3 and chapter 4. He knows everything, so he asks questions to engage with us and to help us to understand who he is and to get us to repent. And although this isn't a direct answer to his question, it is still an answer. So God answers Job out of a whirlwind, and this would have reminded Job of God's sovereignty in the whirlwind that killed his ten children. Nahum 1.3 says, His way is in the whirlwind and the storm and clouds are the dust of his feet. In 2 Kings 2, Elijah is taken up into heaven in a whirlwind. Job must have been terrified, much like when the law would be given on Mount Sinai. I'm sure the whirlwind accentuated the message. I can imagine he would have thrown himself to the ground. I know I would have. Yet at the same time, it is a gracious event. It's not incongruous to feel both fear and assurance at the same time. And even though he is showing mercy, he is still God. He 
He will reveal his being, his knowledge, his power, his wisdom, and by doing so, it will reveal that God is everything Job is not. What Job knows is nothing compared to what he does not know. And why is this section recorded? For the same reason the rest of the book of Job, and indeed the entire Bible, has been preserved for us. To respond to the situation at hand and to teach all who follow after. For the people involved in the narratives themselves, God is showing his power, his character, and his involvement with his creation. And because we have his words recorded in this book, we can learn the same lessons Job learned thousands of years later. As we mentioned before, the book of Job is considered the oldest book in the Bible. Revelation unfolds throughout history. That is to say, we learn more about God as time goes on. It's progressive revelation. So that by the time we get to the Gospels in the New Testament, we see in Jesus Christ the clearest picture of what God is like. The rest of the New Testament explains the life and work of Jesus Christ and what it means for believers, and the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible, tells us what our future holds. The Bible is always referred to as the Word of God, but within it we often have the actual words of God as we do here, and this teaches us that God desires to engage with and communicate with his creatures. What a privilege it is to hear the thoughts of God. These four chapters of questions from God put us in our place as creatures and serve to magnify the greatness of God. In chapter 1, the writer uses the covenant name Lord for God. Then throughout the book, he is referred to by the term Almighty God or El Shaddai. And this is to show us that it seems to Job that God is distant and detached for most of the book. Now he is again called Lord, to show the estrangement is over and the relationship restored. But first, God needs to remind Job who he is dealing with. Verses 2 and 3, God tells Job to get ready to answer him. While we'll see later that Job was right in the main regarding his situation and the innocent suffering he was experiencing, especially in relation to his friends, he was still wrong for charging God with injustice for allowing it to happen in the first place. So God challenges him on his words without knowledge. Then he tells Job to man up and get ready to answer him. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. And this should suggests that Job was flat on his face. Verses 4 to 11, God asks Job if he was present at creation. The Bible never explains the details of how God created the world. It just states it as a fact. Therefore, since God said it, as he does here, we are to believe it. Here he describes the creation of the world using the language of construction, laying the foundations of the earth, marking off its dimensions, stretching a measuring line across it, setting its footings, laying its cornerstone. Psalm 104.5 says, He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. And Proverbs 8.27 says, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. God asks Job where he was when he did these things. He says, Tell me if you understand. God says the only ones present were the angels who were singing and shouting for joy as they watched. 
Can you imagine what they witnessed? He asked Job who set boundaries on the oceans by raising up continents with shorelines so the waves had to stop at God's command. Proverbs 8, 28 and 29 describes it this way, When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Jeremiah 5.22 says, Should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? I made the sand a boundary for the sea, an everlasting barrier it cannot cross. The waves may roll, but they cannot prevail. They may roar, but they cannot cross it. He describes the sea as bursting forth from the womb, shrouded in clouds as a garment of thick darkness made by God. Verses 12 to 15, God describes how the earth rotates and morning comes. God asks Job if he's ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place so that wicked men stop their wickedness because the light is now shining on them. He describes the earth taking shape like clay under a seal. And this would remind Job of the cylindrical seals of the time and create an image of the world rotating on its axis so that he sees morning breaking. The earth is not flat. Isaiah 40:22 says, He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its, in, its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Verses 16 to 21, God challenges Job to explain where light dwells. God asks Job to tell him all the remote places he has journeyed, like to the springs where the seas originate, or the depths of the oceans, the gates of death, and the deepest darkness of hell. Can he fathom the vast expanses of the earth, or know where light and darkness originate? Can he direct them back to their homes? God says, tell me if you know all this. Then he sarcastically adds, Surely you know, for you were already born. You have lived so many years. What is our short life compared with an eternal God? Verses 22 to 38, God challenges Job to control the universe and its processes. Even though God has established that Job didn't create the universe with him, perhaps he can see to its management. Can he enter the storehouse of snow and hail that God reserves for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? We see he will unleash hail on Israel's enemies in Joshua 10:11. It says, As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them, and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. And God asks Job, if he knows how to disperse lightning or scatter the winds over the earth, how to make channels for rain or paths for thunderstorms, how to water uninhabited deserts so they sprout grass even though no one lives there to see it. He asks if he knows the source of rain, dew, frost, or ice. Does precipitation have parents who bring them forth? He speaks of how waters become hard as stone when the surface of the deep is frozen. Psalm 147, 16-18 says, He spreads the snow like wool and scatters the frost like ashes. 
He hurls down his hail like pebbles. Who can withstand his icy blast? He sends his word and melts them. He stirs up the breezes and the waters flow. The seasons change at his command. No? Then how about the constellations then? Can Job bind or loosen them at will, or even keep them in their orbits? He names the Pleiades, Orion, and the bear with its cubs. Amos 5.8 says, He who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns midnight into dawn and darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land, the Lord is his name. He says the constellations have their seasons and there are laws and ordinances in the heavens and outer space, maintaining stability and organization. This is not a universe of chaos, but of order. He challenges Job to set up a way to reign over the earth. No, not that either? Then perhaps Job can control the weather, send floods by calling out to the clouds, sending lightning bolts to do his bidding like soldiers reporting to their commanding officer. Can Job count the number of clouds or tip over the water jars of heaven so that the dry, caked soil of the desert is watered? Can he put wisdom in the mind or understanding in the heart? This is what Job needs to understand. This wisdom is also what allowed his suffering. Verses 39 to 41. Can Job care for creatures? Perhaps if Job wasn't present at creation, can't control the weather or constellations, maybe he could provide food for all the wild animals, like lions or ravens. God says it's him they cry out to for food, and if he didn't provide it, they would wander about in vain. He satisfies their hunger. Psalm 145:15-16 says, The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. And this is an argument from the lesser to the greater. Since God can and does provide for animals, can he not provide for our needs? Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And how much does he do on our behalf that we are unaware of? This should remind us that because of these things alone, God has a right to our love and service. We should fear offending him and cry out to him for mercy. None of these questions address Job's original complaint, and yet, on another level, they do. God intends to show Job that his capacity to understand is more limited than he thinks. God wants more from us than mere intellectual understanding. He wants us to submit to his will, and as we said before, trust and obey. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? God is the creator of the world and its sustainer. Jesus was with him creating the world. God alone can control the weather because he created it. When Jesus was on the earth, he controlled the weather and reversed natural laws and processes. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Job chapter 39. 
May God bless the study of his word.